Hi, we are the Fancy Football Fanatics. My name is Duncan, and this week I'm joined by Matt in London and Gary in Santiago. Welcome, guys, um, to a goal field game week five. Um, and there are a lot of players scoring points this week. There are a lot of players scoring a lot of points with a lot of goals and assists already this season. But which player uh, has played 90 minutes of every single game uh, apart from the first game? and he has got zero points so far. I mean, there may be more than one, but I know of one for sure. Oh, wow. That's a, you, Ooh, you didn't want us starting with, <laughs> with a quiz. Starting with a quiz. It's always okay. the, the right way to start. Luke I mean, Shaw? I'm, I'm... It's correct. It's Luke oh, Shaw. Wow, yeah, he's got a few, bonus, a few minus points in there with a couple of own goals as well. Um, yeah, he's managed managed zero points. I mean, that is the way to show that Solskjaer, that they don't need Tellez yeah, to take yeah. his place. Way to keep your place. Yeah, because yeah, Solskjaer based most of his decision on FPL points, as we know. <laughs> um, Matt, how was your game week so far? I should say we're recording during uh, Leicester-Aston Villa on Sunday night. So my game week so far has been pretty good uh, because I chose to captain Kane. Um which seems to be one of the best captain choices going this week. Um, and I also have Son in my team. So I, I subbed, when I found out KDB was injured, I subbed him out for Son. It seemed like a, a fairly straightforward swap. Um, and so those two single-handedly have given me a pretty good score. The only other one really scored for me that much is Fernandez uh, got a good, decent 11 and then Dinia got, got me seven. Uh, I mean, I think that that's, it's given me a decent score on those players, but I'm a bit, little bit worried that essentially Gre- I've got, still got Greenwood, who's been a really, really bad pick from the start that I've just not got round to subbing out yet. Um, and then Mitrovic as well is stinking up my team at the moment. He, he uh, managed to spectacularly uh, backfire today by missing a penalty and getting himself exactly zero points. So uh, a pretty good game week, but only because of my Spurs assets, I think. Sounds like you've got the kind of the basis of a good team though and you haven't hit the wild card button yet have you i haven't so i've taken three hits i think so far this season so i've almost paid for a wild card uh without without taking it yet um and i'm tempted to take another hit with greenwood and mitrovic coming up but yeah you're right i do have a wild card in my pocket which is quite nice and having taken all those hits i've i've got a team that's getting resembling close to what i'd wanted to be anyway uh, which is quite good yeah i think I think I'm I'm quite glad that you didn't wildcard during this international break because from looking at all those niggly injuries and you know those yellow flags, it must have been a bit of a nightmare for you, Gary, because you played your wildcard this week, didn't you? Yeah, I, I think with with me, I was just thinking. I, I mean, I think it's the consensus that the a kind of an early wild card is the way to go because there's always a bit of a surprise. I always try and hold out for as long as possible, but particularly when uh, Kevin De Bruyne got injured, it was kind of like, right, I've got a, I've got three or four changes I want to make. It's no, there's no point taking an eight point hit. Let's just shuffle them around. So, um, so yeah, I, I brought in about ten or so new players. So I've got to freshen things up a bit. Um, Take us through it. Yeah, so basically, there's been so many goals being scored the, the last few weeks that I, I figured that I really needed to get on some of these strikers. That are, if, if it's going to continue as a goal fest this season. Um, so I already had Calvert-Lewin, obviously the main man for Everton, but I brought in uh, Neil Maupai and um, Watkins from Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins. Um, 
because they're the, again they're the main striker for their teams and Brighton and Villa are looking a bit better than we perhaps anticipated at the start of the season and then my tactic this season has been to load the midfield so I've, I've I've stuck with that plan to load the midfield with all the money but I've shuffled some of the names so I brought in Mane for De Bruyne um, I brought back Son who I'd subbed out when it seemed that he'd got injured but it turned out he wasn't injured at all um then I've gone for Rashford, who I wanted to have at the start of the season, um, but the, I, I, he didn't have a game, and then I, I just never quite found the money to bring him in. So I've, I've got those three big hitters, Mane, Son, Rashford, and that's paid off handsomely this week. Um, had Son as captain. Uh, so between them, 43 points. Um, then brought in Zaha uh, for Palace, just central midfielder well, midfielder on the game playing up front I know Palace don't score that many goals but Zaha does tend to get the few goals that they do get again he's scored so in fact all of my midfielders and attackers have scored in my team so far uh, we'll see if Villa can uh, Villa will have to uh, Grealish and Watkins will have to do the job for me in the second half to, to complete that and yeah Grealish is the final final midfielder I've got um He's just looked really good. And uh, seeing that Liverpool game um, and how Villa destroyed them, um, I've become a convert to Villa. Uh, I feel like Villa are a very lucky team. They probably should have gone down last year. But now that they've um, replaced five or six of their players and upgraded them, I, I think Villa are a good team to watch. Um, then just to complete the team, so another Villa player, triple Villa, I've gone Martinez in goal. And my defenders are Alexander-Arnold, Willy Bolly. Romain Seiss, uh, Dallas from Leeds, and Mitchell from Crystal Palace. It seems, from looking at your team, um, you've kind of steered clear of the really expensive players. Um, I guess you've got Marley in there. He's one of them. But you're not doubling up on two really expensive, you know, 12 or 11.5 million players. And that's afforded you uh, the ability to spread your cash quite a lot. But you've... Do you, do you not worry about the benching kind of headaches you might have? At the moment, you've got Mope and Saiz on your bench this week. Um, and I can't really see anyone in your first team who you'd want to particularly drop, any other kind of weak links. So how are you going to work that? Or is that your kind of COVID strategy? Well, yeah, I, th- I think the fixtures are going to come thick and fast soon with the Champions League starting up. So it might be quite, you might find the odd player just dropping out and missing a game here and there. So I, I think it's good to have... Like if you just have entirely bench fodder, then you might you might find yourself not getting any points off the bench. Um, but yeah, the idea is to rotate the defenders. I, I'm not I'm not actually confident now. I've gone double wolves in defence, but we'll see. I, I guess they're one of the better defences. Um, but yeah, I was thinking like so. I had to leave out Malpai this week, which I think has paid off. But next week again, it's a tough choice. I mean, I've got half a mind on leaving Calvert Lewin on the bench. Um, just because away at Southampton seems probably not going to be a goal fest. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's the juggling act. But yeah, they, uh, I do want Kane, but I would basically have to find another five million somewhere if I wanted to get Kane in my team. From my, my three strikers at the moment, Calvert-Lewin, Watkins and Maupai, I think they're all pretty... I'm pretty confident with all of them, actually. I, I subbed out Bamford, who'd done a really good job for me the first three weeks, but I, I just felt that... Like the way they're playing at the moment, Malpai and Watkins could be on for kind of 15 goals this season. So there's probably a, a, a few more than um, I reckon uh, Bamford will get. So it was just that, that was my reasoning behind that. What do you reckon, Matt? 
Um, I, I just I just paused as soon as Gary said he was thinking of um, benching Calvert Lewin next week, and I thought, <laughs> bloody hell, bloody benching hell, benching the super prime forward that scores every single week is uh, that's gutsy. Top uh, scorer in Europe's top five leagues. Isn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think yeah. it looks like a. A good wild card. Uh, I mean, if I was picking a wild card this week, then I might not have gone Zaha. I might have gone a bit more um, Everton. Um, but then I've, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Everton this year. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a good spread of players. And uh, oh, it's done very well this week. Rashford's done very well, hasn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, Zaha, I think, has got me, is it nine points with his bonus? Yeah, so I, I do... I am quite happy with Zaha at the moment. I mean, I know he's this troll and he's probably going to prove me wrong for this, but um, yeah, I, I guess for me, I, I, if I am going to spend money, I want to spend it on the midfield because if I, I think the thing with Calvert-Lewin is like, yeah, he's scored in every game, but the last three games, he's only got six points in each of the last three games, despite the fact he scored. So even if I benched him and he got a six-point haul, I wouldn't feel too gutted. Whereas I, I feel like Zaha or Mane or Son or all these kind of players, they, they, they have got a 15-point burst in them once or twice a season. It's just, um, it's just knowing when that is, I guess. And that's where you have to get a bit lucky. One thing on Zaha, um, Mili Vojevic kind of finally came back on the pitch just at the end of the game to shore up... Um, Sure up, although it didn't didn't end up working, did it? The clean sheet for uh, for Palace, so that there is a danger now that he might lose penalties sometime pretty soon, which has been a big part of his kind of output this uh, season so far. But the fixtures are great, so you know uh, you take some and you lose some. Um, yeah, I mean that was that was the other thing. I mean, I I had half an eye on the fixtures, and I think yeah, Palace. They've got great fixtures. Fulham have got great fixtures, although I didn't take advantage of Fulham. Um, then, yeah, I think Chelsea, Spurs, Wolves are all looking quite strong as well over the next few weeks. Um, and, yeah, maybe I need more Spurs in there. I've got two Wolves at the moment, so that might help. But, I, yeah, I steered clear of Chelsea just because I'm... Yeah, they've got good fixtures, but... I just was put off going for any of their defenders because they're just letting so many goals in at the moment. Um, and then their attackers are a little bit pricey. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, for me this week, I'm on, I think, 58 points with a, a minus four uh, a hit. So I I brought in Sun early on in the game week for uh, Klitsch because I had quite a lot of money in the bank. And then uh, De Bruyne was injured, so I took a hit. And I kind of felt the only player I could go for um, within reason was Grealish because uh, I wanted to get some cash in so I could bring in Salah uh, for game week six because he's got two nice fixtures at home and he does very well at home against kind of lower in the league teams. Um, Now, not so sure whether that was a great idea because I've got 5.1 million sitting in my bank and the player I was going to drop was Fernandez, who's actually kind of despite it seeming like a bad transfer when I brought him in, he's kind of returning quite consistency consistently now. And he seems, he seems pretty good. I mean, we'll talk, Matt, we'll talk more about um, their game against Newcastle and maybe he can give me a bit more information on that later. But um, yeah, apart from that, Sun captain, uh, Calvert-Lewin, Dinia getting me some points. It feels at the moment like I'm, 
I'm doing okay each week. I'm kind of some, you know, one player, kind of a different player each week comes in and kind of saves my bacon with a double digit haul and kind of puts me at the average game week score or slightly just above. Um, but it does mean that I'm kind of dropping down the ranks quite quite quickly. Whereas I started, you know, around like 150,000 mark, I'm now down around the million mark, which is Good. a bit sad. Good. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I have to say I'm enjoying this season more than last season, definitely the start of it anyway. I just feel like there's so many options. And um, yeah, I, I quite like quite like the setup of my team, even though players like Suchek <laughs> uh, flatter to deceive with their stats. You know, every game you watch them, it seems like uh, he's involved. And I've picked a lot of, players who are just yeah kind of focal points for the team and seem to be involved if they don't score any points anyway so it's good fun watching those games um yeah i think i need to think about whether i go kane or whether i go salah it feels weird to drop fernandez after he's got you know uh three returns in three and two double digit holes in three um but um yeah we'll see it captaincy is quite important um so we'll see what matt says about man united later um, but I need to need to get some money on the pitch. Five point one in the bank this week, and four million in the bank last last week. Um, it's not a good plan. That's probably the reason why I'm falling down the ranks a bit. Um, I should say before we go any further, if you want to uh, join our listener league and take us on, uh, and also take on our family members who are probably doing a lot better than us one family member of gary's in particular doing a lot better than us at the moment um it's the at fbl ff fanatics league and the code is 6 f t 5 kc and the it's also in the show notes as well um so you can find it in there so this podcast we've done a few different formats of podcasts this season we've done some talking points podcasts we've done fixture previews um we've looked back to the game we've just gone and tried to see what we can learn from that and we've picked on some kind of teams of interest to talk about as well but this one's kind of a pick and mix a kind of a mixture of all three so we've got a talking point uh, we're going to look back to game week five some of the fixtures we want to talk about and then look ahead to game week six and some of the fixtures that we're excited about so first up it is our talking point and that is Virgil van Dijk's injury and what it means for Liverpool and their assets, their fancy assets. Uh, so, Gary, I'll come to you first. Um, I know you don't want, like the word asset. So what does this mean to Liverpool's players? Um, so I, I feel like it's probably even the, like the playing field even further. It's like probably going to bring Liverpool back closer to the pack because uh, even though like Matip and Gomez are good centre-backs... I don't think they're the same leader in the same way that Van Van Dijk is. So um, last season, the kind of the route for success was to have either Robertson, Alexander Arnold, or Van Dijk. Basically, to have two of those three um, plus a Liverpool attacker, and this is kind of ripping up the template a bit. I think, and um, it's quite interesting that I think a lot of us have still got Alexander Arnold, but he's not really done much offensively this season. Um, and he's no longer getting any clean sheets. So it's um, it's quite an interesting one. Um, I think it means that like Liverpool, while they still should score some goals, you, you, you've got to look at their defence. It's probably um, 
probably uh, Adrian is a part of this as well. That while 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 Allison and Van Dijk are both out, then just Liverpool look look shaky. I mean, well, they've conceded nine goals in their last two games, so it's it's. Yeah. I'm not giving an earth shattering revelation here, and that's um, seven of those with Van Dijk on the pitch. Uh, but yeah, I I feel like it makes the Liverpool defenders less attractive for their price. I guess is my conclusion. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and. The thing with Trent, I think, didn't this happen last season, the start of the last season, you know, people were doubling up on the Liverpool fullbacks and they didn't get clean sheets for quite a while at the start of the season and then it kind of clicked, kind of late autumn time, early winter. But will it click without Van Dijk? I don't kind of feel like they'll be that same unit. So I agree with you on on that. I just, I, I feel out of, out of any of the Liverpool defenders, because no one's really keeping clean sheets in the league at the moment. Um, Robertson just seems to be on fire in a in a, an attacking sense. Mm. Um, two assists and a goal, and he just looks his stats just look phenomenal. I do I do think though that Alexander Arnold over the course of the season will get more attacking points than Robertson, just because like he takes the free kicks and he he kind of he bombs on quite a bit. Like I mean, they they both bomb on, but I think Alexander Arnold tends to put more crosses into the box. I mean, Robertson does have those where he kind of runs to the byline and cuts it back, which, which uh, and kind of bursting into the box. But I, I I feel like it's a bit of an anomaly that Alexander Arnold hasn't got assists yet. I think on many because he's or goals because he's I think he's hit the bar a couple of times with free kicks and he's he's kind of looks dangerous, but um, but yeah. He might not be on for was it two hundred odd points he got last season. I, I, he he's, he might be back down to like hundred and fifty something like that. And if if so, is he worth seven and a half million? That's the question. Trent got two hundred and ten last season. Robertson one hundred and eighty one. Um, but Robertson the season before got two hundred and thirteen. So Robertson can match uh, Trent's level. He's done that. You know, he's gone even further than Trent's gone uh, last season. Um, Robertson has actually scored the highest number of FPL points um, between the two of them across the season with 213. So I don't know. I think they're going to be a lot closer this season because, you know, Robertson is on some corners. He has taken some free kicks, not at goal, but, you know, uh, set pieces. Um, And he just seems far more advanced. I know these things change throughout a season, but I just think the gap is going to narrow slightly. And for that 0.5, I mean, if you need it, then maybe it's worth it. I think there's a lack of premium alternatives to the Trent or Robertson um, picks at the moment, which is, which is probably saving them from getting transferred out en masse uh, because no one wants to downgrade to like a four and a half that might have been on a, a little bit of form and none, none of the defenders have been performing so far. But I could see there being a bit of a wave of sales if, say, Chilwell suddenly puts a run on. But, I mean, I, th- I, I sort of agree with Gary that it, and, and yourself, like it does weaken their defence quite a lot. But I think one of the sort of uh, repercussions of that might mean a lot more high-scoring games that they're Liverpool involved in. So it could almost be better for players like Salah and Mane and, to a certain extent, Trent and Robertson. Because if they have to keep scoring more goals to make up for all the clangers that they've just conceded, um, then it's going to make for a lot of exciting games, but they won't just sort of like lock, sort of shut up shop and and sort of ease off for the final 20 minutes, they might still have to be going for it to score that fourth goal or something. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think more in 
the Mane and Salah stakes. But yeah, I mean, where do their assists come from if if not from those two? So yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I agree about the the lack of premium kind of com- competition for those guys. Like there's Dinia, um, who I've got in my team, and despite him getting three assists in six games, I've kind of I'm hovering over the button to get rid of him at the moment because he just feels like um, I, I kind of got away with something. It, it doesn't feel like he's getting as many opportunities on set pieces as he was last season. Um, and yeah, I, Doherty hasn't really shown up yet, has he? So yeah, I agree. I'd say your your main man um, from a couple of seasons ago, um, Yeri Mina Duncan, might be an interesting one because I... I um... I'm a big fan of James's uh, corners. I think I think I've only watched him play a handful of times for Everton, but I've, I've noticed like the corners he's taken are some of the best corners I've seen. They're just whipped in with so much pace, and it's like just inviting the defenders to score them. And Mina's already scored one of them. I think Keane has scored Three. at least one of the corners. Yeah. Well, he's two in the league, one in in the mm. cup. If if, if they're going to have James whipping those corners in like that particularly the in-swinging ones then um then the Everton centre-backs might be a a good shout I I think this is probably the first time this has ever happened on the podcast but that's what I said about two podcasts ago and it's actually happened (laughs) (laughs) um Mina does feel like a very Gary player so I think I can hand him over to you you can take care of him Gary for me okay I will uh think about that how much is Yeri? Five point five. I currently have Willie Bowie at five point five, so he, I could do that. But yeah. If I, if I wanted to drop Alexander Arnold and just go with one of these five point five six million defenders, um, that could pay for an upgrade somewhere else. Yeah. Wan-Bissaka, he can smash him in from outside the area these days. You're looking. Uh, you're looking for five million to get Kane in. Then look at Trent. That's possibly where your money can come from, isn't it? Mm, about half the money, I think. I'd still have to find the rest of it. Yeah, there aren't players for two point five million yet. <laughs> Damn those price drops! Um, Fulham defenders might hit two point five. They might. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so that seems like a bit of a consensus. Um, maybe don't double up on the Liverpool defence at the moment, and possibly for the rest of the season. Um, and then. Not too much competition apart from maybe Yeri Mina. <laughs> the 5.5 bracket is maybe more interesting than the, the 6 million bracket. Um, but yeah, we're looking for Alisson to return and we don't think it's going to affect Mane and Salah. We think it might even help them. Um, so yeah, good points in that. Um, next up, we're going to take a look over some of the fixtures in game week five that we were interested in. Um, Matt, you're up first with Newcastle 1, Manchester United 4. So what do you see in this game? Um, well, so United were coming off the back of uh, an absolute drubbing at home to Spurs. So lots of pressure um, on Ole and, and the boys. And we, strangely, yeah, sort of it appears Ole blamed our forwards for the all the goals that we conceded the previous week because he... Uh, he had Martial and Pogba dropped, and we had James and Matter playing um, alongside sort of Fred and McTominay. So I was very worried coming into the game, seeing the lineups um, about what Man you were going to do. I think it just it showed like a slight lack of quality um, that we had. 
And two minutes in, conceded an own goal, already looking really bad, uh, defence looking a bit uh, ponderous and, and, and waiting for mistakes. Uh, but then after that, sort of uh, looked like a Man U sort of bounced back, frankly. And it was uh, maybe just a, maybe Spurs was just a blip. And actually they are, I mean, I'm not going to say they, they're title winners or anything like that. They're, they're a decent-ish team. Uh, they've certainly got a great bench um, if they've got people like Van der Beek and Pogba on the bench. Um, and they'll they'll win a lot of games and they'll score a lot of goals over the course of the season. And no one's defence is very good, frankly, at the moment. So uh, Man U's as bad as as many others. Uh, and Maguire even got a goal going forward uh, in this one. But I think fa- from fantasy perspective, uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I have Greenwood in my team, and that's been a pretty disastrous pick. I mean, he's got no goals. Um, if you think back to last season. Um, the, when he particularly the finish of last season, he was looking like one of the hot properties where he was um, scoring goals, uh, looked like a really bright spark, looked really skillful. He bulked up over the um, the COVID lockdown, um, but yeah, he just hasn't started the season at all well. Uh, I mean, I think it might have been an injury, but equally his um, off-field antics for England has um, has hurt him. So I think he's definitely a, a sell for the moment. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised second half of the season if he comes roaring back again because he's just a really, really good player. Um, Rashford and Fernandez are the main picks um, for Man U. Uh, I mean, people people aren't talking about Fernandez um, as a pick. I mean, we sort of hear some of the other podcasts and see some of the, the comments, and everyone's talking about the other premium midfielders. But um, I think as you mentioned, Aiken, he's like under the radar. He is. Um, I mean, he. He does score most of his penalties. He doesn't score one in this one. He, he missed, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, goal and assist just looks class. Uh, if Matter's playing more as well, he seems to link up really well with Matter, which is quite nice. Um, I don't think Matter's a good pick, but uh, certainly if he can bring out the best in other players if he, if he gets more game time. Um, and then Rashford looks like he's just sort of that focal point. Lots and lots of chances, which you'll miss a lot of them, but... Uh, he had he had great figures here. I think he had a goal and two assists, and uh, I think he's a good good pick from um, from Gary. Uh, the problem is you can't really afford two of them to have in your midfield. I think that's that's a bit too maverick. Um, so pick one of them, and then probably avoid the rest for the moment. I'd say, um, including Martial. Um, and as for Newcastle, I mean, it seemed a very Steve Bruce type performance where uh, they always Steve Bruce famously always loses to Man U um, and. They were hanging on and then they completely collapsed at the end, having just sat back, expecting Manu to be like the Ferguson years Manu, uh, when actually if they'd attacked us a bit more, then you, you never know what they could have achieved. Um, so uh, I don't think that game is maybe the good barometer for Newcastle. I think maybe that their form before with St. Maximin and Wilson starting the season really well. I mean, they're, they're pretty solid picks, but I just don't think they did anything in this game. So, so that's all well and good, Matt, and I get what you say about Fernandez, but there's something about his face that I just don't like, and that, that's, that's been the main thing that's, <laughs> that's holding me back from, from mm-hmm. picking him in my team. What is it about his face? I don't know. He just looks like a little bit... He, he looks like a really bad signing. Like the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Wednesday had a player called Alicio de Cruz last season who looked quite similar. He had this, quite this narrow face with a little goatee beard and like pencil moustache. And it, he just looks like the kind of signing that's going to like just destroy team morale and not pull his weight and do that. But, Fernandez is actually a good player. There's a strong um, tradition of terrible um, 
Weasley moustaches at Man United with Gary Neville with his terrible tash that he grew to impress Sir Alex Ferguson in the 90s. I mean, I think looks can probably deceive a Fernandez because uh, I think, I mean, I, I know there's rumours about him like uh, having a massive go at like Maguire uh, and getting subbed off as a result in the previous game. But um, from just the little signs you see, uh, the number of TV interviews he does uh, in training, like they do rest of the world versus England and Maguire obviously has been club captain, captains of the England one and he captains the rest of the world. He's, he's quite the leadership figure, I think, in the Manu, Manu ranks. Um, I think definitely he's one of the teams built around at the moment. Um, so even if he's got competition with Van der Beek and Pogba, his place is absolutely rock solid. With, um, with Rashford, do you feel like uh, this kind of 15-point haul is kind of part of Marshall not being there and him being pushed up front? Do you think maybe he's a, an option whilst Martial's out for the next couple of games? Uh, I mean, I think it's... I think both Rash, Rashford and Martial will score 20-plus goals this season, uh, much like they did last season. I don't think they'll do any better than that. Um, but that's, that's pretty decent for their price, and especially decent if you're Rashford, because he's now a midfielder, so he just scores more points as a result every time he does it. Um, and he's the cheapest of the... The big hitters at Man United. Yeah, yeah, he's the cheapest. I mean, I mean, I, I talked a lot about Greenwood earlier because I think Greenwood is the one where you're thinking he could theoretically get. Uh, I thought level pegging with those two uh, this season, but so far not looking anywhere near it. Uh, maybe he's just a bit too young and he's having to adapt to being a big, big player these days and all the, the profile that comes with it. Um, but I think he, he's the one who could be the bargain. But I think. Rashford and Martial will perform to their price um, if you can fit them in. On uh, on Fernandez, <laughs> you, you mentioned he missed the penalty, and that's that's not kind of usual for him. I think he he has the highest uh, scoring percentage of any uh, penalty taker in the Premier League. There were some stats on that a couple of game weeks ago. Um, might have changed a little bit now, but still. It's not going to happen that often. But he also had a disallowed goal as well, didn't he? Which was fairly identical to the one he did score at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. It was a marginal call. Um, and see, so yeah, if you think... And I don't think he'd have maybe scored the goals afterwards. But, like, yeah, he could have had a, a hatful of goals. And he got the assist for um, Rashford's goal, which was a beautiful ball over the top as well. So, uh, because he's that sort of centre point of the Man U team, he's allowed to, like, try the audacious pass... He's allowed to have long shots. Uh, he ha- takes every penalty. And Manu's style of play is that, basically, if we run out of ideas, just give it to Rashford and Martial and wait for them to fall over in the area and see if they get a penalty. Um, and that seems to work, and he gets a penalty every single week. Um, he just missed this one. Fair enough. I, d- I just wanted to say, uh, you talk about uh, Martial and, and Rashford. It was, it's, a, it's a random observation, but have you, have you seen much of Aaron Connolly for Brighton? Like his entire tactic seems to be to set off towards the box and to just basically just lose his legs and topple over as he runs into the box. You see, I've seen him do it about five times in about the 50 minutes I've seen him play. So it's, it's like the new style in the Premier League. is just kind just of... Get just get that penalty. Just run into the... Just, just yeah. run and fall over as you, as you get into the box. Yeah, it's kind of working for a lot of teams, isn't it? Um, next up it is the Man City Arsenal game. Uh, and this is one that I wanted to look back on. Um, this is kind of... Uh, this is a pod where I just reference things I've said in the last couple of pods that were correct. <laughs> and one <laughs> of them... Was, <laughs> exactly. Um, 
One of them was that uh, Arsenal, I thought, were going to be harder to beat uh, this season um, and they were going to be kind of battling draws, narrow losses and gritty kind of wins, not kind of swashbuckling stuff for the most part. And I think this one kind of played into that. They lost to a better team, but it was a narrow loss and they could have got something from the game and they were in it until the end. Um, I think Sterling is definitely kind of going onto the radar, I think, this season at the moment. Um, I think he's around, I'm just going to check, I think he's around 6% owned. Yeah, 6.5% owned. Um, he hasn't kind of set the world alight, but he's got an assist and two goals in four games. That's not bad. And uh, yeah, I think if people still have De Bruyne in their teams, then that's a, a natural kind of move. Earn a little bit of money, maybe before De Bruyne's price job. That's great. Um, he's he's a player who's going to be consistent all season, even though City's fixtures aren't brilliant. The next two aren't bad. West Ham away and Sheffield United away. West Ham away, I think, was Sterling's hat-trick at the start of last season. Um, and although Aguero did return in this game, he didn't look totally back to his normal self. He only got kind of 64 minutes, so there is the chance that Sterling would still get some time up front against West Ham away. Um, another kind of bright spot, I'd say, for City was Phil Foden, who quite a few people have in their teams. Some might have got rid with a a bit of frustration um, early on in the season, but he's definitely getting the minutes. And that was the worry um, at the start of the season that he just wouldn't get the minutes. Um, he's got over 60 minutes in every game, kind of three of the four. It's, you know, almost 90 minutes in all of them. Uh, a golden assist so far. And for his price, um, he seems pretty good. Although he's competing with players like Jack Grealish. Um, so that is a that is tough competition. Um, he was really, really far advanced on the left wing for City, looked really bright, um, could have got a goal instead of um, keeper parried it out and he got the assist. Um, but I think he's definitely worth holding on to, especially while De Bruyne is out, because I think he'll get the minutes um, still. Uh, apart from that, despite Man City keeping a clean sheet and we're saying, you know, there's no competition for the premium defender spots, I don't know if I would be picking any of the Man City defenders at the moment. I'd probably be waiting and, and checking on Laporte and making sure that when he's back, uh, he's back for good or has back for a little while and has formed a nice partnership with Diaz before I go looking at the Man City back line. Um, it changes so much, so I need a bit of consistency there. Um, I think on the Arsenal side, the really, really bright spot was... Um, was Saka. He was probably Arsenal's best player on the day. Um, he was, yeah, he was kind of, his role changed during the game. Sometimes he was on the left flank um, as Aubameyang drifted in and he looked really dangerous there. And sometimes he drifted towards the goal and had attempts on goal and created things. Um, but he was kind of bright throughout. Um, so FPL wise, he's cheap and it would be a bit of a, a serious gamble, but um, probably if you're an Arsenal fan and you're not super serious about FPL, his price has dropped now to 5.3 actually. Um, and minutes wise, it's a bit patchy. Um, he's got, when he plays, he plays almost the 90 minutes. Um, when he doesn't, 
start. He doesn't play at all at the moment. He's getting zero minutes, so you'd have to have the cover. He maybe a fifth midfielder if you could push it to that, or someone you could rotate or have back up on the bench. Um, yeah, apart from that, uh, Thomas Partey got his debut, and that would only kind of add to my narrative about Arsenal that they're going to be hard to beat, and defensively they might be a bit more solid. Um, so fixture-wise with Arsenal, I wouldn't be looking at their defenders at the moment, but they're one to keep an eye on. Maybe Party kind of gets his place in the team and settles in, and then kind of game week 12, they've got a nice run of home games, and some of the teams uh, down the league, you know, Burnley's and your West Brom's and stuff like that, Newcastle's and Crystal Palace at home. So probably just a watching brief on them until then, basically. There so you is go. It, is Aubameyang going to ever come be justifier's price? Or Were you going to say is Aubameyang ever going to ever come good? <laughs> well, as in FPL good, I guess. Do you know what he scored in his last two FPL seasons? Probably very well. He scored the exact same number of points, 205 points in both seasons and scored 22 goals in both seasons. And now he's a midfielder. So I'm sure he will... Uh, continue to do well and probably do even better because now he's a midfielder and he'll get more for those goals. I think the problem with him is uh, despite what happened at the end of the last season where he scored you know, against Liverpool and scored against City in the Cup and stuff like that, I think he is, he is more predictable than that. He's normally very good against the lower teams and especially at home. That's where he gets a lot of his goals. So um, yeah, in a fixture like this, he's not that interesting he's again a player that i would wait for game week 12 before i'd think about bringing him in because yeah there are better options i'd say at his price at the moment he's a kind of fixtures man for me and my other, my other thought sorry was um uh we were talking about who to downgrade from uh, our big trent and robertson signings uh what about the nice guy that is nathan ake uh. <laughs> we were having a, a nice conversation about this in our whatsapp group because i i think maybe pep's uh comments after the game that well what did he say about aki he uh, was he played really well uh and his theory is why he's such a why he did really well is because he's a nice guy and my theory is that he that's a, a subtle dig at Mourinho because Mourinho's saying he wants a bunch of bastards at tottenham in the Amazon documentary, whereas Pep's trying to say, ah, oh, the nice guys always do well. And that's why he did well is because he's a nice guy. And that's what Pep wants. Um, yeah. I mean, Nathan Appy's 5.5. He's a goal scoring defender, Gary. He's up there with Mina and he's probably going to get more clean sheets. And yeah, if you get bonus points for being a nice guy, then um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's, who's the nicest guy in the Premier League. I, I think I think Marcus seems uh, one matter. Yeah, uh, I think. Um, what has happened to Man United? No wonder they're not successful anymore. Yeah, just yeah. lovable chaps. Mourinho hated it. <laughs> yeah, that's why he left, isn't it? He couldn't uh, change them. I mean, while, while we're on Man City, and this is probably obliterating my talking points when I cover their next fixture, but I, I, I was very tempted to bring in uh, Ruben Diaz um, because I feel more than Ake, he's going to be like a, a, a mainstay in the team. I, I think Laporte, Ake is just keeping Laporte's um, position warm for him, but Diaz is going to be first team. And at 5.5, he's the same price as Ake. Um, 
and I think City will still get a few clean sheets because they just dominate the ball. And you, you basically, some teams like Leicester can score off 20% possession against them. Um, but a lot of teams in the Premier League can't. So I still think there's a few clean sheets in City. From uh, from game week 10, their home fixtures, uh, three out of four, are Burnley at home, Fulham at home, West Brom at home. I mean, that is just, for defence, that is amazing. And after that, the next home game is Newcastle at home, then Brighton at home, then Crystal Palace at home, and then Sheffield United at home. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the moment as well, when there isn't really much home and away, when there's no crowds, I mean, their next two games are West Ham and Sheffield United. So West Ham are looking better, Yeah, uh, a bit of a goal threat. But but yeah, they've got some some nice fixtures. They've got a couple of tricky ones in between. But um, yeah, I I need to get some City into my team. I don't don't have any at the moment. I think, I think, again, like... Going for that kind of player is a very Gary move and it could be a really shrewd one as well. Like I agree that Diaz probably won't get dropped as much as Ake and at 0.7% owned with those fixtures coming up. I think that's a really nice shout, but only something a proper maverick could do. Um, Gary, what did you think of the Merseyside derby? Well, I- I mean, we were, we've talked quite a lot about Everton and Liverpool on here, so I won't go too much into the the fantasy side. But it was, I think it kind of it showed Everton with a real deal that the the fact that they they bounced back twice from being a goal down against Liverpool, um, it showed how integral Calvert Lewin is to the way that they play. That they're going to like hit him in the box, and the, the the leap he did for the second goal was incredible. It was a it was a great great header. The kind of one that kind of you'd, you'd think was worthy of someone like Ronaldo. Um, yeah, James has been very impressive. I, I perhaps was a bit surprised at how well he's adapted to the Premier League. And as I said earlier, his, his corners are a real threat. Um, yeah, there's always Pickford and his kind of rushes of blood at the back that's going to perhaps put Everton under a bit of pressure. But um, other than that, they're, they're looking very strong. Um, and in a funny way, Pickford's foul on, on Van Dijk, I don't think he meant it, but it was a crazy piece of like rash play but that that could actually bring Liverpool a lot closer to the rest of the pack as we've been saying by by knocking Van Dijk out for a chunk of the season that that could that could actually be a very significant moment in the the title race as well um yeah other than that I mean Liverpool they, they're still very good going forward they're still like Klopp has built this kind of very very strong machine I'd, I'd say they're they're a bit like um Chelsea under Mourinho in that they've he's, built, he's turned them into machine. They all know their roles. They know what they're doing. Um, and I think Mane is a, was a big loss for them at Villa. I think Mane kind of really, the way that he presses high up the field and wins the ball, he's very key to their team. Um, so as long as they have Salah and Mane playing, you still got to think Liverpool are going to be a force. Um, yeah. And the one thing I saw was Firmino looked very poor. Um, I, I don't... Not many people have him in their teams anyway, um, but the the rest of the Liverpool team was firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I'd be interested to see. They just tried Yota in that Firmino role for the last kind of 15 minutes. Um, if he was going to get a run as that kind of false nine with, with Salah and Mane playing off him, suddenly at 6.3, Yota would, would suddenly be a very attractive player, I think, to, to have. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we've seen 
definitely one of the title contenders in Liverpool, but potentially in Everton, a, a second one. So it was, um, yeah, it was a good game. What did you think of Salah? I saw highlights and um, saw he had a few shots on goal, but they looked really tame. And apart from that, he just seemed to um, get the ball, a rebound in the box and just hit it first time and it went in. But apart from that, did he look bright? No, Salah looked like... It's like, it's like if you're playing like a golf game and instead of taking the shot with the driver, you take it with the putter. Like he kept lining up these shots in interesting positions and then just passing them straight to the goalkeeper. Um, so, so yeah, he didn't, he didn't look that bright and he's not done. He's kind of dipped a little bit from a couple of years ago. I feel um, he's still very dangerous. He still gets a lot of penalties. He still scores a lot of goals at home. So I wouldn't be writing him off particularly as he did score in that game um, as well. With the one, the one good shot he hit near the end, I was just about to kind of say he's had a stinker and then he went and absolutely lashed one in near the end. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Mane for a bit because I just feel that Mane um, is just a guy right at the top of his game at the moment. He's, like, absolutely at his peak. And... Um, yeah, I, th- I feel I feel he's just got an edge on Salah, even though Salah has has got penalty duties, which will always mean his points tally is pretty good. I totally agree with you about Mane. I think he's outshining Salah this season, although maybe it's not coming through in the stats um, or the points. Um, if you were in my shoes and you were trying to pick a transfer and a captaincy for the next couple of weeks, Liverpool have Sheffield United and West Ham at home. Uh, which are two really nice fixtures for captaincy. And you have Kane, who has um, Burnley away and Brighton at home. Who would you be bringing in and captaining out of those three players? So I think Tottenham might struggle away at Burnley. I, I feel that's like a tricky game. And... I'm pretty confident that Liverpool will beat Sheffield United. For me, it's just a question of is it going to be a respectable kind of 2-0 where Sheffield United keep it tight, like like what happened last season, or is it going to be more of a pasting? Um, so I would go with whichever of Mane or Salah you have as captain for, for, that, for that first choice, for that first game, game week six. Would you agree, Matt? Well, I mean, the only question I'd add uh, to your question is, uh, why aren't you picking Sterling, um, who also has those juicy couple of fixtures? Does he? Who's he playing? Um, is he not playing? West Ham. West Ham, and then he's playing Sheffield United. Oh, wow. The exact same fixtures, um, except away. Um, I just think Liverpool at home, uh, Salah in particular, is a bit of a beast. Yeah. I mean, so, so coming into this game week, um, I was thinking about how do I afford Salah? How can I get Salah into my team? Um, and I agree that Mane has certainly look, looked a better player, but I think that's been happened. That's happened for quite a long time, where if you watch the football, Mane looks like the better player, but Salah just is so selfish, but also so hungry to score that he's just constantly shooting, uh, and that means that a fair few of them go in, and those penalty duties with so so many more penalties getting given this season, I think that will that will make the difference. So I'd probably err towards Salah, but then he is the most expensive of the lot. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that on the Merseyside Derby, Gary. 
Um, next up, we'll have a look forward to game week six. And the first fixture is <laughs> Liverpool Sheffield United. I think that's one for you, Matt. Is that right? No, that's one for you, Gary. I don't think it's one for me, but if, uh... <laughs> it's one <laughs> no, for I Matt think then. It is for me. It's for <laughs> Thank me. goodness. Liverpool, <laughs> uh, come on, Liverpool. That's that's my contribution to that I one. I tell you what. I I wonder if we've over overspoken about Liverpool now. Uh, so I will focus my my preview <laughs> on the on... fantasy gods that are. <laughs> On the fantasy <laughs> gods of Sheffield United. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> In so, depth. <laughs> a, short, a short preview it is. But um, I think a fair few fantasy teams now, of those that, particularly those that follow the game quite closely, um, have a certain four and a half million pound striker called Brewster in their team. Um, and he, he only had a few minutes uh, this week. Uh, and I think uh, people are seeing, yeah, People have been talking him up as he'll be first team every week uh, for Sheffield United. Uh, and at that value, you could afford so many better players across the rest of your team that he's, he's a very good pick to go for to restructure your team around when a player that cheap. Um, and I think the, the jury's out on that tactic uh, at the moment. Um, uh, I think he probably looks like maybe he will have a few games as he tries to adjust to the the new club and, and, and his new teammates. So maybe his mints will be on and off for a few weeks. Um, Sheffield United do have a, an array of strikers, so he's not just uh, sort of the only striker and only option they have available there. So I think if you're, if you're buying him to pick him actually into your first team, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty poor for the, first, for the next few weeks. Having said that, I, I am a fan of having a make-weight somewhere in your team. So... Um, I've always got a four million defender, uh, and if you have a four and a half million player that you intend to bench almost every week, then uh, uh, that does give you funds that means you can afford uh, maybe another hip heavy hitter in midfield where all your rivals can't. So I, I still think he's um, a very tempting option, uh, even if he's the sort of option that you don't intend to play very often. Uh, and that sort of sums up Sheffield United at the moment. You are. Uh, You'd go for sort of a tempting option because they're so cheap, but you don't actually want to play them. Um, uh, on on that, um, you have a history of success with four point five million strikers, don't you? Uh, I, I still remember Danny Graham fondly from his one Swansea season. Where oh he, no, uh... no, it was a pun. It was about <laughs> Isaac's yeah. success. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Because it went really badly. Yeah, it, didn't, it didn't work. Well, that's because I was thinking of Danny Graham from back in the day. Uh, uh, and I, I once had, actually, I once had Ollie McBurney, um, even though he got loaned out to the championship as my four and a half million striker. Uh, but they, yeah, he didn't work for Isaac's success uh, last season. It turned out that four three 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 sorry, three four three was the formation to go for. Um, this season, uh, I guess the question mark is, is it three five two this year? And therefore, if you've got a bench fodder of a striker, uh, can you get more points than the usual three-four-three formation? Um, and yeah, I mean, I've I've gone three-four-three at the moment. Maybe slightly burned by by my experiments of Isaac's success last year, but uh, I still think it's a potentially viable tactic. I think one thing that has become clear to me this week with De Bruyne's injury is that if you have a four-point uh, defender, someone like um, Mitchell, whose minutes might not be long left with Van Aanholt 
uh, starting on the bench this week, and you have a 4.5 striker who may or may not play, then you're in some serious kind of dicey, dicey moments in terms of taking hits and can you fill the team, especially with COVID. So I think if you've got a 4.0 defender, then maybe steer clear of Brewster. Do you think that's fair? I mean, I, th- I think he's not bad bench fodder just to, just to have as, yeah, as, I think you've got to think about your formation. If, if you're going to put him, if you're going to leave him on your bench, then it obviously makes more sense to have Brewster than to have Indiana Vasilev. Hey. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, he's one of those signings is a bit of a gamble. It might come off. I, I see him long-term as him and Mousset are kind of competing for one place in the Sheffield United team. They're always going to have either McBurney or McGoldrick as one of the kind of bruisers up front, but they're probably not going to go with two bruisers. They're probably going to try and get a bit more of craft in there. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add on Liverpool, Matt? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered them in the preview where we talked about how Liverpool would change uh, with Virgil van Dijk's injury. We've covered them in, in the fixture for game week five. So I think that's fair enough. But I think, yeah, you can take a break. I, I think they'll win this match. That's my preview. Brilliant. And do you think they will win it handsomely or do you think it'll be a narrow victory? Uh, I think, what does a 2-0 count as? Is that handsome or is that narrow? Hmm. I'd say a narrow victory is by one goal. So that's that's kind of in Com- between, isn't comfortable. it? Comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. I think I think it'll be a comfortable victory rather than a thrashing. I think Sheffield United sufficiently organised to make it close, but they're, as you say, they're on pretty bad form. Um, yeah, maybe three-one because I think Liverpool's defence is pretty dodgy at the moment. Okay, fair enough. Um, next up is Man United Chelsea coming up in game week six, and this is a fixture that I'm quite excited about. Um, mainly because I think Chelsea, Chelsea attack-wise, seem to kind of really get it together um, against Southampton uh, with all their kind of big assets that they bought in over um, the preseason, kind of getting minutes on the pitch and kind of starting to make combinations. I think Pulisic was back. Um, CH got some minutes at the end. Havertz is looking a lot brighter. Um, he did really well in the international break as well. And now he's come in with, you know, two assists and a goal in the last three games. It's really positive um, for Chelsea. And Werner, obviously the main man up front, his price has dropped all the way down to 9.3. But he's finally got his goals. Um, He also got an assist as well. Really nice score of 16. And he's going into this fixture against Man United, who despite getting a good result against Newcastle, um, defensively have looked all at sea up until that game. So I think this is really nice. The fact that it's away, I feel, kind of plays into... Um, Werner's hands. I know uh, teams aren't going to be under pressure from their fans to kind of set the tone at home and, and push forward. Um, but I do feel that there will be space in behind. And I'll, I'm interested to see what you think about that, Matt. But I do th- feel there'll be space in behind Maguire and Lindelof. And I think he can outpace both of them quite easily. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really good, really good timing for his return to form. Um, 
And Ziyech, he got some minutes at the end of the game. Um, I didn't think he looked particularly sharp, and I think that's to be expected, having not played for six months or something like that. But um, yeah, the fact that he's getting involved is positive. I don't know if he'll start against Man United. I think I'd be surprised if he did, but um, Pulisic definitely playing, you know, 86 minutes is really, really positive. And he definitely had some bright moments as well. So, um, yeah, I think attack-wise, Chelsea is starting to click. Defensively, awful. <laughs> Just so, so bad. Um, poor old Ben Chilwell, you know, like a goal and two assists in his first two games. And he's he's come, come out with three points at the end of that game. Um, yeah, I think there are goals in this fixture. There's, you know, it looks great for Rashford. Uh, in behind Chelsea, it looks great for Werner in between, in behind Man United, and I think players like um, Jorginho and Fernandez. I think this is, you know, perfect. Like Matt was saying, you know, the the tactics of just running at people in the box. Uh, there's, you know, potential for quite a few penalties in here. Even with Thiago Silva, who wasn't fit enough uh, to play in the fixture just gone, but uh, I'm sure will be fit enough to play against this one. I, I don't know if he's got the legs for this fixture against Rashford and, um, you know, James, if he starts, then, you know, he could, he could get, you know, he didn't look great in his first appearance uh, for Chelsea and he could get kind of embarrassed in this one um, unless they sit a bit deeper. So, yeah, I think this is a really nice one for goals. Um, I think, Jorginho is is a bit of a tempter for me, although he doesn't always start. He seems to, despite there was a lot of rumour that he was going to get transferred out, he still seems to be getting the minutes and he's he's picking up goals from the penalty spot and, and assists as well. Um, he has a nice kind of link up with Werner, I think, with balls over the top. And yeah, he's he seems to be the, the better option at the moment than the Suchek or the Basuma kind of pick. So Maybe he's one to get on before his his value rises too much, especially with penalties how they are at the moment. Matt, I, I had him last season. I had him for quite a bit last season, but um, he never quite got the penalties. I hoped he would, but um, yeah, I think I think if you if you're shopping around for a kind of five million midfielder, he's a he's a good one to go for. I, I have an issue with him. The same issue you have with Fernandez. I don't like his face, so. That's a lot. A lot of the reason that it puts me <laughs> off. I think there's something about you know Fernandez and Jorginho, those kind of slight frames playing in midfield in the Premier League. You kind of just it just doesn't sit right. But um, but there you go, Matt. Do you think um, Man United will leave space in behind for Werner, or do you think Solskjaer will change things? Um, so no, I do. Th- I think we'll play deep and counter attack uh, against Chelsea um, because. Uh, ever since he's come to the club, uh, we've actually beaten Chelsea quite a few times. Uh, I think we beat them 4-0 first game of the season last year. They did beat us in the FA Cup semi-final, but then we think we had a bit of a, a weird lineup that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we've actually, yeah, we, we seem to have had good success against them simply because uh, we keep Rashford, we keep countering a Rashford uh, and some speed, um, which is one thing we do have. Uh, and I think the game will be won in midfield um, because I agree with you that Chelsea have all the exciting signings, uh, but they have so many exciting signings and no one's quite sure what their pattern of play is. And I think that's maybe why they've been struggling a bit this season under Lampard, that uh, Pulisic comes in, but there's also Ziyech and there's also Havertz and there's also Werner 
and they all play or last season they all played as a star man in different systems and they haven't quite I mean, they score some great goals, but it's sort of in, in fits and bursts. I don't know what their their standard type of goal is right now. Um, so uh, I'm hopeful of United getting a result as a Man U fan. Uh, Man U have been awful uh, for a couple of games, but uh, I think if we play deep, uh, if we get our midfielders just a bit fresher, uh, then we have a good chance of winning this one. Nice. So Rashford is your pick for this one then? Um, well, I think it's it's the usual two. It's Rashford and Fernandez because um, Rashford is the one that might cause some problems, but it might be the usual. Uh, Fernandez plays a nice ball over the top. Rashford gets in the area, cuts in. Zuma chops him down and Fernandez gets the penalty. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that happening. What do you think, Gary? Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, th- I think Chelsea have a collection of good players without a particularly good manager so yeah you'd, you'd think I mean you could say I guess you could say the same about Man U as well but I think Man U have shown a bit more form over the last few months um, so yeah I'd, I'd fancy Man U I, I guess for Chelsea I think actually Mason Mount is quite an interesting player for them because he they have so many kind of flary players but he's a bit more of like a workmanlike. Um, midfielder a bit more like Lampard was himself a little bit but he's got some goals in him and he shoots quite a bit but he kind of intercepts the ball and he tackles and he runs quite a lot which is so I think he's going to still play more often than not because he gives them a bit of balance um and you'll probably see the likes of like Ziyech or Havertz might if, if it's a big game like this he, I think he'll kind of go back to the tried and test, tested and and pick Mount in a in a key position over over one or two of them I definitely agree that I think we'll see Ziyech, sorry, Mount over Ziyech in this fixture because Ziyech just didn't look up to the speed at the moment. But yeah, we'll have to see for the rest of the season. But Mount, he's one of those favourites, isn't he? What What about West Ham Man City, Gary? What do you reckon to this one? Right, well, I think this will be a good one because um, It'll be interesting to see that like West Ham seem to have grown a bit of um, solidity and a bit of spine about them, which we don't associate with West Ham. But this is traditionally a game where Manchester City absolutely pulverised them, um, particularly in when it's at, at West Ham. So the last 10 games between the two teams have all been won by Man City. And it's it's ridiculous some of the scores when when they've been playing at um, at West Ham. I keep saying at West Ham because it's I guess some of these games would have been at Upton Park and then they've moved to the London Stadium. But um, the last five games where Man City have been away have been five nil win to City, four nil win to City, four one win to City, four nil win to City, five nil win to City. I mean it's it. I don't think you could find two teams where you have a similar record of something like that is it not what, what does that add up to something like 18-1 um <laughs> so so um i yeah i think if you were looking for a hammering that that could be that could be the one because man city have obviously got this kind of kryptonite which um west ham just can't cope with especially when they're at home um they yeah they lose when they're when they, they they lose when the games at Manchester in Manchester, but they tend to lose by a, a narrower margin. When it's when it's in London, they just get thrashed. Um, 
And uh, I think, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Sterling scored a hat-trick in this fixture last year. Um, Aguero's just back from injury, and he's a player that we've not really talked about. So um, if you wanted to steal a march on other people, I think Sterling and Aguero could be two to look at. And I'm very tempted by, as I say, Ruben Diaz, because we've got four out of the fast, last five games away at West Ham have been clean sheets. Um, and I, f- I think a few of the defenders have been on the score sheets in these games as well. So um, I think those are like Stones and Fernandinho and some of the older defenders that Man City used to play uh, had been scoring in these games. So, um, yeah, that that's could be a that could be an interesting uh could be an interesting one because probably as you say people will be going for Tottenham or Liverpool captains so it so a way to steal a march on people in your leagues might be to stick in Aguero or Sterling and captain them I guess um a couple of things so with the West Ham form as well they've come out of okay they've conceded three against Tottenham but Tottenham are kind of the form attacking team in the league at the moment against Leicester and Wolves they kept a clean sheet um which is Good signs and defensively, they've their stats have been very good up until the Tottenham game. So that would be one thing in the box which would make me think, oh, maybe I won't bring in Sterling this week and captain him. Um, but the other thing is Antonio seemed to go off with an injury in the kind of 76th minute. And with him out and with potentially Haller out or with injury doubts for both of them, that would play into your thoughts about Man City defence. Um, I think Yarmolenko replaced him and despite having an absolute hammer of a left foot, I'm not sure if he's a great replacement for those two. So, Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, they've got a week to get fit. So I, I think Antonio might be um, a key to, if, if West Ham are going to live with Man City, I think they'll be going with like one up top and the kind of the movement and the work rate that Antonio has is, is kind of key for, for the style of play that West Ham need so I'm, yeah I'm not quite sure that Yarmolenko or Bowen or someone like that could replace that if if, if he's injured um, so yeah again if if Antonio is definitely out then that could be another reason to, to back Just on Man City Suchek up front that's what you're thinking isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> You keep picking him, Duncan. In your Just keep playing him. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, should we have a look at the listeners' league? And, and we see we how can. Can I, can I just say, um, I, while this pod, while while we've been recording this pod, I've been watching uh, Leicester Aston Villa. Oh, and just as I say that, Barkley has just just smashed one in the bottom corner for oh, Villa. Wow. Um, so um, that was good timing. Um, Without wanting to promote other podcasts, who got the assist? Um, I just looked up and Barkley was taking aim from 30 yards and, and pinging it in the bottom left. So I'm going to have to wait for the replay to uh, to confirm. I guess the listeners will already, already know. <laughs> it's just yeah, they will already know. This will yeah. be terrible for them. But it, it looks like, is that McGinn? Uh, I think it's McGinn. It was some, it was some dark-haired midfielder Grealish. left Grealish. that isn't Grealish. No, Grealish <sighs> is number seven. I'm pretty sure that's McGinn. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Um, I can yeah. cheer that goal then. I can cheer that goal. <laughs> All my rivals have Watkins and Grealish. <laughs> so, Barkley um, McGinn dub. Yeah, that's, that's the, what I want to re- the, the reason I began talking about Leicester Aston Villa was um, that the Leicester brought on Slimani, um, which is a real blast from the past. And I was like, I, I had no idea he was still at Leicester. He's not even on, oh I, I checked, he's not even on the game. 
He's uh, still at Leicester. Yeah, he's playing wow. up front at the moment. Um, he's not done a lot. He, he he hoofed one chance up into the top tier of the stand, I think. And apart from that, yeah, because they signed him the year after they won the title, didn't they? Yeah, but, and he came in with a really good record. Well, he's there still there. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Just about. Must have earned a fortune doing the old um, uh, Winston Bogard kind of treatment, I think. He's been, he's been shipped out on loan, I think, actually. Because oh. uh, on deadline day, I think they were talking about shipping him out again. But um, he, Enough he got, of Soleimani. He obviously didn't go. <laughs> Enough. Let's talk <laughs> what, about the listeners' league. <laughs> what, what price will Soleimani be coming at? <laughs> it's not a talking point. Four and a half. <laughs> he could be a tempter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the listeners' league. Um, so I guess we give... We'll start off with a big shout out to John, John Ridge, um, who, um, uh, well, yeah, I've I, I met him a couple of times, but I know he went to, to school with you guys, uh, Duncan, Matt, and has just joined the league for the first time. But he's the top scorer this week uh, so far. Um, he's currently on 87 points and he's gone up to seventh in the league overall. Um, so as a Spurs fan, it's built on a very strong axis of Son as captain, Kane. And he also had uh, Werner, kept the faith with Werner, uh, as well as going for Zaha. So that's why he's got 87 points uh, with Pereira still to play. So could even get a bit more. My, uh, my man from the first few weeks, Pereira. And we have one of the team also on 87. Um, well, actually, maybe a couple more points now because I need to refresh my screen. I think... Actually, um, yeah, Deepak Matthew with Cliche 11 FC, um, who I think has just gone ahead of John Ridge's Spursy Virgins because he's got Consa. So we'll and Grealish. Be, and Grealish. So we'll be about to get uh, nine or so extra points. So, yes, 94 points this week. So Deepak Matthew is... Barring some miracle from uh, Pereira Slavani. for West Brom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barring a slow... Well, how gutted would you be if Slomani was to get a hat-trick? Because he's not even on the game, so you <laughs> think it's possible. Um, yeah, no, with Conser on six and Grealish on three. Um, yeah, Deepak Matthew is our top scorer this week. And he's up to 14th in the league as well, so he's going well. Um as far as the league overall, um, Darren Axton uh, remains in first place, uh, 358 points, with his team Timmy 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 FC, um, with just three players left to play. That's um, looks like he's got Martinho, Bamford, and Vinagre still to play. Um, but yes, as you alluded to at the start, Duncan, in second place. Uh, is Sunstar with Tanganganam style. Uh, yeah, my, my wife, who is uh, still still destroying everyone, destroying everyone as uh, pundits who, who do this podcast. Uh, she's up to 344 points um, with Patricio and Connor Cody. Again, two, two interesting choices that that's I wouldn't have gone for, but still, <laughs> still to play. Um, but yeah, she basically... Um, She's gone with Kane as captain all every um, every week, and that has reaped the benefits. And she's also got Son. She's also got Rashford, 
she's also got about 24 points on the bench this week. Uh, so a strong bench. Martinez, Maguire, Conser and MacArthur. Um, although uh, unless Cody or Patricio are dropped, uh, they're not going to come on. And then just rounding off the top five, um, 342 is Adam O'Connor with Bookfast Kings. Fourth is Rowan Dial with Team. And fifth is Owen Malloy with Topless DFC. Nice one. Thank you very much, Gary. And congratulations to everyone in the top of our league doing really well. And of course, to Son, your wife as well, kind of keeping up our end of the bargain, <laughs> kind of committing it's somewhere at the top of the league. Um, if it's not she, us, she then just it's keeps our... saying, how do we manage to spend so long talking about this? And <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> just pick, pick some names and where you go. <laughs> Leave yeah. the captain on your best player. It's easy. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, we're at FPLFFFanatics. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Apart from that, it just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Gary. Uh, pleasure. See you next week. Thank you for your insight, Matt. Cheers, Dan. Speak soon. Okay. See you next week, guys.